thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to The Healthy Shift Worker with your host, Audra Starkey. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Shipworker Podcast. My name is Audra Starkey and I'm here to help you to manage some of the toughest challenges we face whilst working 24-7. In today's podcast, we're going to be talking all things to do with autoimmune disease, which is a type of condition that is becoming more and more prevalent in society today. And to talk more about this topic, I've invited clinical nutritionist and Ayurvedic herbalist Brad Leach from the Sunshine Coast in Queensland to share his insights. Brad runs an autoimmune disease clinic on the Sunshine Coast and uses diet, nutrition and herbs to balance the body from within with emphasis on finding and treating the underlying cause of any autoimmune disease. His philosophy includes correcting the four major contributing factors in the development and progression of autoimmune disease, which includes inflammation, intestinal permeability, dysbiosis and immune dysregulation. So to tell us more about autoimmune disease, I'd like to give a warm, healthy shipworker welcome to Brad. Oh, thank you, Audra. That was a, a lovely introduction. Oh, hello. Hi, how are you going? I'm very well. Yourself? Good, 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 good. Look, I, you know, this is really, this is really cool that we're kind of catching up in this format because we, you know, we, as you know, we met at uni. Yes. <laughs> and, um, you know, we both studied nutritional medicine at Endeavour College of Natural Health here in Brisbane. And you're actually still going because you've gone back for more study um, to complete your honours. So, kudos to you you know honestly that it's it's you know it's awesome what you're doing but I'm really excited to chat to you um Brad because I absolutely love your passion that you have for autoimmune disease and and that's in regards to understanding its etiology or cause um so that you can help your patients in a more personalized um way so just to kick start the interview I'd love to hear your story I mean how did you get started in Ayurvedic medicine and then subsequently nutritional medicine Oh gosh! All right. Well, um, it's quite a uh, unique experience, uh, as it's uh, quite different to uh, a lot of the uh, holistic practitioners out there today. Um, it goes back. Uh, I was fifteen, and I was at school, and uh, school life. It just it wasn't ticking all the boxes for me. And I spoke with my te- teachers, and I wanted to I wanted to do something more. And uh, with their support, I, uh, I enrolled into a uh, Cert 4 of Ayurvedic Lifestyle Consultancy at Sunshine Coast TAFE, and, and I started that uh, in 2008. Now, I rocked up, and I remember my first day as, as, clear, as, as clear as yesterday, and uh, I'm sitting down, and I'm the youngest in class by about 20 years, and I had no idea uh, what Ayurveda was, and I couldn't even say the word Ayurveda, um, but after a year doing that, it just blew my mind. My uh, my teacher was uh, Jay Mulder, the Umundi medicine man, and he just he opened my eyes to all the possibilities out there uh, with um, holistic and functional medicine. Um, and then I graduated as the uh, youngest uh, Ayurvedic consultant at age 16, and then I uh, went on and completed my um, advanced diploma of Ayurvedic medicine. And then uh, continued on, you know, started my uh, Bachelor of Health Science uh, in Nutritional Medicine with yourself and uh, partook in the uh, Endeavour Summer Research Project where my, my interest and my passion for autoimmune disease really came from. Um, and during that research project, I, I saw a, a gap in the knowledge and I just thought, you know, this is it. This is this is my purpose. You know, uh, holistic health and, and autoimmune disease. It, it isn't just my passion or profession. It's it's so much more. It's 
it's the purpose of my life. It's the reason I wake up every morning and it's the reason I'm dedicating years and years of my life to study and to, to better understand everything there is to do with autoimmune disease. Wow. That's actually just gave me goosebumps. But, yeah, wow. <laughs> On, no, honestly, I mean, you know, cause I guess I can sort of relate to something similar with my shift work thing. So, um, yeah, that, yeah, good for you. It's amazing. And, and, and given, you know, there's so much um, autoimmune disease, which we'll talk about shortly, it, it's becoming more and more prevalent in society. Mm. So um, the fact that you have, you know, realised that and that you're going to, you know, take it head on, it's, uh, I know that you are going to be one very busy man for the rest of your life, I would say, <laughs> come in, um, from a clinical perspective. But would you mind explaining to our listeners exactly what is an autoimmune disease? Because there actually are quite a few, aren't there? Oh, there's, there's many. Uh, believe it or not, there's, a, there's 80 recognised autoimmune diseases with another uh, about 100, 130 uh, suspected to have an autoimmune disease mechanism. But wow. in the most simplest terms, autoimmune disease is when the body attacks itself. So autoimmune disease affects a variety of susceptible individuals uh, and involves a, a loss of normal immune homeostasis, uh, which results in abnormal and inappropriate response to our body's own cells and tissues. So what does this mean? Basically, it's our immune system becoming confused, disorientated, and attacking itself. Um, and it, it is a horrible group of conditions. Yeah, wow. So if, uh, can you give us a few examples? Um, okay, a couple of examples. The most common, uh, rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, multiple sclerosis, uh, Hashimoto's, psoriasis, um, other more unknown uh, autoimmune diseases or conditions that are, uh, have a uh, mechanism of autoimmune disease include polycystic ovarian syndrome, uh, endometriosis, fibromyalgia, Parkinson's, and the list is growing every day. Uh, every day, you know, we're finding more and new conditions, which actually are autoimmune disease or have an aspect of it, which is autoimmune disease related. And uh, the prevalence of autoimmune disease is it's going through the roof. The one study concluded that um, uh, autoimmune disease outweighs the prevalence of both cancer and heart disease combined with a worldwide prevalence of about seven to 9%. Wow. Wow, my goodness. And, and is it something that you've noticed in the research that's um, just grown exponentially in the last 10 years or 20 years De or less? Or Yeah, definitely in the last 10 years as yeah. uh, the evolution of science has evolved and we're, we're able to understand these conditions are a lot more, sure. uh, understand yeah. them better. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, look, one of the reasons why, you know, I wanted to get you on the podcast, um, Brad, is that, you know, apart from a whole host of other chronic conditions, um, one of the things that kept popping up in my shift working research is that there seems to be, you know, this connection between shift work and, you know, certain types of autoimmune disease, in particular thyroid conditions. I noticed mm. it kind of keeps coming up. But you've created this really awesome diagram on your website um, to explain those four contributing factors, which I mentioned at the beginning um, in the development and progression of autoimmune disease, which includes inflammation, intestinal permeability, dysbiosis and immune disease regulation. So I guess this is a bit of a long-winded question, but we'll break it down into sections. Um, would you mind starting um, with that first one, with inflammation? So 
what exactly is that and how is that contributing um, to an autoimmune disease? And I guess if you can be that, sort of explain it with that shipworking diagram that you did, it would be great too. Sure, sure. Uh, first, I'd like to just take a one step back. Um, you see, uh, intestinal dysbiosis, uh, immune dysregulation, inflammation, and intestinal permeability, also known as leaky gut, they're the modifiable risk factors. They're the risk factors that uh, we can do something about. There's uh, other risk factors, which I just want to touch on, sure. uh, which include uh, genetics. So that's uh, DNA from mum and dad and so forth. Uh, being of the female sex can increase the risk of autoimmune disease. Chemical exposure, previous infections such as uh, Epstein Barr virus, also known as glandular fever. So those particular ones, along with you know chemical and toxin exposure, uh, you can't really do a lot about. But this the diagram that I've formulated, we can, and that's why I think we should focus on that because that's something we can do to support. Uh, individuals with an autoimmune disease. Mm. So I will. I'll start with inflammation. Now, inflammation. It's 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 a it's a fascinating topic of how it actually uh, influences the development and progression of autoimmune disease in, in shift workers and and all individuals. Um, it's actually the hallmark feature of an autoimmune disease. Uh, most, if not all, autoimmune diseases, when they're in a flare or you know most active uh, are governed by inflammation. So modulating and correcting that inflammation is, is an important aspect of uh, clinical presentation. But uh, in associate, uh, with shift workers in particular, it has been shown that um, when people do shift working, especially at night, it alters the um, uh, production of uh, particular inflammatory cytokines. Um, I'm not sure if you know this, Audra, but I'm sure you do. I mean, you've learned everything there is to 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 know with shift oh, no. work. It's always an ongoing <laughs> process. I'm going to assure you. Yeah, no, no, we're still learning. <laughs> the the circadian system is known to regulate many biolo mm. biological functions uh, in a rhythmic way, and this includes the immune system. Now, uh, it has been shown that particular inflammatory messages called uh, interleukin-2 uh, are known to alter under shift working conditions. Thereby, people who shift work have got a greater prevalence, a greater production of inflammation, and that contributes to, um, to autoimmune dis disease development, um, and it also contributes to immune dysregulation, intestinal permeability, and uh, dysbiosis, they, they all interlink, as you can see from the, mm. the diagram, mm. uh, it's just interlinking picture. Mm. Yeah. And when you are assessing, uh, you know, your own clients, your, what sort of um, tests are you doing to um, assess for inflammation, things like CRP? Uh, C-reactive protein uh, and so forth, these particular markers, which we can just get done through pathology at your GP, yeah. can give us an indicator mm -hmm. of, of inflammation. Also, redness, pain, you know, just touching the client, you know, if they've got uh, rheumatoid arthritis, touching their joints. Is there heat? You know, that's another mm -hmm. symptom, sign of, uh, of inflammation. Yeah, exactly, one that you can actually sort of see. Yeah. And then the, the diet, you know, looking at someone's diet, can, can give a indicator if they are pro-inflammatory. Now, um, I know you, you would be familiar with uh, arachidonic acid, but for your listeners that, are, that may not be aware, arachidonic acid is a, a pro-inflammatory fatty acid. You could almost think of it as the opposite to omega-3. Now, this particular inflammatory fatty acid is found within our diet, and um, the more 
of this fatty acid that we eat in our diet, the more of this fatty acid that will actually become embedded into the cell membranes of every cell in our body, which uh, produces more inflammatory markers. Um, uh, they, they say that the ratio of omega-6 to omega-3, so that's um, arachidonic acid to like uh, EPA, DHA, you know, the activated uh, omega-3, the ratio should be between uh, one part uh, omega-6 to one part omega-3. Mm. However, the Western diet, if you, if you look at the typical Western diet, it's more like 20 parts. Um, omega-6, you know, pro-inflammatory fats to one part omega-3. And that's just asking for, for inflammation. Yeah. Oh, and then top the shift working diet on top of that. Yes. yes. <laughs> Again, you know, um, I can, you know, and I can definitely, um, you know, vouch for that, that we, you know, because we're in this vicious cycle of that, that constant tiredness that, yeah, we, it, it, it does play a role um, in certainly in, in what we're eating. Um, you also mentioned uh, about the intestinal permeability and the leaky gut. Uh, yeah. And uh, I noticed that you've mentioned how sleep loss may induce changes in the intestinal, intestinal microbiota, which I must admit I've, I've seen a fair bit of research um, indicating this as well. Could you explain, um, you know, what that is to our listeners as well? You know, what is intestinal permeability? What's the microbiota? How, how it kind of all works? Yeah, definitely. So intestinal permeability is by far my favorite topic. It's, it's what I'm conducting my honors on and, and every day I read more and more about intestinal permeability. But as I mentioned before, it's also known as leaky gut, but for the purpose of this podcast, we'll stick to the, uh, the correct terminology. So if you can imagine there's a single layer of cells within your small intestines, uh, that separates the content, uh, of your small intestines, food, water, and so forth, to the blood in your body and your immune system. Now, these single cells, they're joined together. Uh, when particular uh, proteins, such as gallatin found in uh, gluten and particular um, dysbio dysbiotic bacteria come in contact with the lining of the small intestines, it causes it to almost open up, giving it that leaky mechanism. Um, and it is a causative factor for autoimmune disease. I mean, some say that, I mean, it has been shown that they can actually test intestinal permeability before an autoimmune disease develops, meaning that you could almost predict an autoimmune disease uh, development by looking at someone's intestinal permeability. Now, that goes hand in hand with intestinal dysbiosis. Now, dysbiosis it's a, it's a fancy word that basically means an imbalance of the microorganisms within the gastrointestinal tract. That's a combination of bacteria, um, worms, viruses, and so forth. Imbalance. Uh, I mean, uh, there's almost, there's over a hundred trillion bacteria cells within our gastrointestinal tract, you know, and that's, that's more cells than there are cells in our body. And, and these have a, an interlinking, the intestinal dysbiosis and intestinal permeability. They work hand in hand. When dysbiosis is there, then it contributes to intestinal permeability. And when intestinal permeability is there, it contributes to dysbiosis. So really, we need to look at this in a functional point of view. And, and we need to treat all of them together or otherwise it's just not going to uh, be fixed. Mm, so they kind of feed off each other. Is that what you're saying? 
definitely it's it's a catch twenty two. You know, mm. when you've got one, the other gets worse, and and, and so forth. Um, and and the biggest factors for both of these is uh, is looking at the diet. Mm. Um, the diet can have a massive influence on both intestinal permeability and dysbiosis. Uh, your podcast with uh, Cindy O'Meara, fantastic, mm-hmm. uh, and her documentary, What's With Wheat. If your listeners haven't listened to it, I'd encourage them to do so <laughs> um, because she goes into uh, the herbicides, glyphosates, and, yeah. and how that can actually contribute to dysbiosis and intestinal permeability. And there's, there's a number of other factors which can contribute to um, an imbalance of bacteria in the gut. Uh, it ranges anything from inflammation, as we mentioned before, um, medications such as non-steroid anti-inflammatories, antibiotics, um, where you live, and even the exercise. So mm-hmm. things like, uh, I, don't, I don't want to put down yoga, but Bikram yoga or, or running, when the core temperature increases, it actually denatures the proteins between our intestinal cells, resulting in intestinal permeability. Wow, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. Okay, so is there a particular temperature? Um, oh, it's hard to say. They mm. they actually haven't determined the exact temperature, mm. but it's when your core temperature increases. Yeah. Um, so they, they did studies where if you gave uh, particular probiotics or uh, Saccharomyces boulardii, you know, a yeast to mm. protect the uh, my, the microbiota, then there'll be less intestinal permeability. So if we have any athletes, which I mean, uh, you know, shift working is hard as hard <laughs> as this. I'm not sure many people will be going out and running and bringing out their. Core we might have one or two. <laughs> but if they do, you know, protecting the uh, bacteria in the gut yeah. can really go a long way. Mm, yeah wow well, you know the, you know it's, it's empowering though to know that you know we, we certainly have um you know some control over it so yeah awesome and the the final one that you touched on um in regards to immune dysregulation i think this is really uh, incredibly um, pivotal and relevant for shift workers because we have this ongoing um relentless sleep deprivation that undeniably um impacts on our immune system um for sure so yeah, I'd love to get your insights on that one. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure you know a lot more about the effects of, of lack of sleep and shift working on the actual immune system. But uh, in this particular flowchart, uh, the in, immune dysregulation literally means, you know, our immune system isn't working properly. Mm-hmm. And that can be from a number of factors, which we've already spoken about. But one of the major factors is vitamin D. Now, vitamin D, which isn't actually a, a vitamin, it's actually a, a hormone, um, regulates the immune system and corrects it. So if the immune system is overactive or underactive in autoimmune disease slash cancer, then it corrects it. It's almost like homeostasis. Um, and a lot of studies have actually shown that uh, shift working uh, is associated with low vitamin D. Mm. Now, that's, that's no surprise. You look at the shift working roster, they're working all night, sleeping all day, working 24 hours. Mm. Um, and to get vitamin D, you actually need to be in the sun between that, uh, that 10 and 2, uh, not early morning, not late afternoon, because it, you need the UVB rays radiation to actually stimulate um, vitamin D production. Yeah, to get the conversion. And isn't that interesting that, you know, we've been told, um, you know, by the Cancer Cancer Council to avoid the sun between those particular times. And, yes. you know, obviously common sense prevails here. We're not talking about going out and spending, you know, the whole duration in that time. 
Um, but you know, I even think it, it's, only, it's only somewhere between ten minutes. I think in there around that midday sun. Is that right? Well, I can give you something better. I would encourage your listeners to download an app called DMinder Pro. That's D space. M-I-N-D-E-R space P-R-O. Now, this particular app will uh, it will know where you are in the world and you answer a variety of questions, your age, your skin color, what your diet's like, and it'll actually kind of give you an idea range of where your vitamin D's at. And then you go out in the sun, you press start, and you tell, them, you tell this app how much of your body is exposed, and then it will actually tell you how long to spend in the sun given your body type, where you are in the world, and the weather and so forth. Wow, my goodness. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Wow, I'll definitely, um, yeah, well, we'll definitely make sure we'll include those um, in the show notes. Um, yeah, I remember seeing a, um, a holistic doctor quite a few years ago and he was telling me how, you know, he actually in the middle of the day he goes out and takes his shirt off and, you know, stands in the sun for 10 minutes just to break up his day to get the vitamin D. And I, I kind of my response was, well, I kind of can't do the same there. If I did that, I'd get a few funny looks. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting that, um, yeah, as you said, it's, it's important it's to get that right UV um, B rays to get that conversion. And, um, yeah, that app sounds, um, sounds amazing. Great. Yeah. I mean, we live in Australia where we're the highest uh, country with skin cancer. Yeah. Yet when you're below Sydney, I'm going to use Sydney as an example. I believe it's about uh, 36, 35 latitude, longitude. I get confused. Anyway, when you're below that, you actually can't get um, vitamin D all year round. I remember one time I was in Tassie and it was about ooh, June and I opened up the app and it said, you can't get vitamin D for another 60, 90 days. And I'm like, wow, oh, all seriously? these people, seriously, all these people in Tasmania they need to be taking uh, a vitamin D supplement uh, under the supervision of a qualified nutritionist or naturopath um, at a dose de de determined by their blood pathology. It's essential. Yeah. Wow. Because, yeah, and it's easy to kind of get burnt. I've been down to Tassie. Um, yeah, and it's cold, but you can feel yourself getting burnt. So, you, yeah. you, you know, most you know, people would make the association, well, okay, I'm getting my vitamin D. Yeah. So this app is it's fantastic. I recommend all my clients to to download it. Yeah, wow. Awesome. Well, um as I mentioned earlier, um Brad there seems to be um just from the just from the research that I've done that there's that connection between thyroid conditions or autoimmune conditions and shift work whether that's hyper or hypothyroidism. Um yeah. and like there was a, a fairly recent study done on pediatric nurses um and they identified, you know, this sort of link, um, in particular in its association with stress and given shift workers, you know, are already biologically stressed as a result of that continual um, disruption of our sleep, plus many shift working occupations, unfortunately, are quite stressful. And I'm, I'm just thinking straight away here, you know, the nurses, the paramedics, the police officers, uh, just to name a few. Would you mind sharing your opinions or insights on the thyroid perspective with shift work? Sure, sure. I, I can. Uh, I did read a study. Uh, you can't quote me on this one. Uh, it was to do with uh, Hashimoto's, on the yeah. prevalence of Hashimoto's between shift workers and non-shift workers. Yeah. Now, the prevalence um, between uh, of Hashimoto's and non-shift workers was about three three point five percent, where the prevalence of uh, Hashimoto's in shift workers was about seven seven point five percent. 
that's massive difference. Mm-hmm. So it is almost almost double uh, prevalence in in Hashimoto's, uh, in in might I say uh, shift workers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's quite a logical uh, flow on how uh, shift workers may actually develop um, Hashimoto's. So if we look at um, stress and what stress does to the, the modifiable risk factors of the development of autoimmune disease, uh, someone will present with uh, intestinal permeability. Now, there's something we didn't touch on on intestinal permeability, which relates to the development of thyroid conditions, especially Hashimoto's, Graves, and under or overactive thyroids, is um, molecular mimicry. Now, molecular mimicry is this fancy scientific word that um, happens when there's leaky gut. So if you can imagine the cells in the intestines are open, okay, particular uh, proteins such as gluten or gelatin uh, will come into contact with the immune system. Now, our immune system will kind of, you know, eat it away and, and attack it because they think it's a foreign for an antigen, foreign substance. Um, and then the immune system will make uh, other cells. So when it comes into contact with this particular gluten, again, then it will remember what it looks like. Unfortunately, there has become a, an association and a link between um, the proteins uh, in gelatin and gluten and the thyroid gland. So what actually happens is the immune system will start attacking uh, aspects of the thyroid gland, thinking that it's gelatin, thinking that there's particular proteins in gluten. So there is that association. And if you look at uh, shift workers, uh, I'm safe to assume that you know the diet isn't the best because you know they're constantly working and constantly you know, trying to get some sleep in. That they go for the, the more faster, easier foods, which generally contain gluten. Yep, you nailed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Wow, fascinating. And I, I think um, there could also be, um, correct me if I'm wrong here, but there seems to be um, that link between adrenal fatigue and thyroid malfunction, meaning I think we can get mm. that adrenal fatigue first and then if, once we hit that, that then, yep. you know, thyroid is pretty well much the next, you know, um, organ that's going to, um, you know, be impacted. and. Unfortunately, pretty much every shift worker I know, you know, suffers from some type of adrenal fatigue, uh, again, thanks to those disrupted sleeping patterns. You know, what are your thoughts on that? Of course. I mean, when there's, um, I'm going to, I don't want to correct you, but I, I want to use adrenal no, insufficiency. Yeah, no, yes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure there'll be a few uh, professional listeners uh, that may, you know, go, oh, don't use yeah. adrenal fatigue. Yeah, it's yeah, adrenal yeah. insufficiency. Yeah. Um, when there's adrenal insufficiency, uh, it generally coincides with inflammation. And when there's inflammation, it contributes to the factors which promote the development and progression of autoimmune disease. Mm. Um, so it is really important, and that's something I implement in my clinical practice, is looking back at the root cause. Why is there an autoimmune disease development? Is it because of this? Is it because of that? Let's go back and find the cause. If it's to do with adrenal insufficiency, let's support the adrenal glands. Let's give them the nutrients and the herbs that they require to function uh, at an optimal level. Mm, Brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. Well, we've sort of spoken, I guess, on all the not-so-great stuff, but... um... (laughs) 
<laughs> so building gloom, isn't it? Yeah, it is a little bit, but you know, it's just I think it's important that we, we you know, we create this awareness. It's um, you know, and you sort of said at the beginning those four things that we you know you've just spoken about are all modifiable things that you know that we we can change we are limited a little bit with the the sleep disruption from our point of view but um you know there's certainly um you know food you know we, we certainly have 100 percent control over what we we eat that's for sure but would you mind um you know maybe sharing your top three uh nutrition and lifestyle tips or if you've even got more well, top three i've got i've got to keep it to that yeah that <laughs> top five okay i'll keep you top five. go on no, all right um <laughs> All right, so it's important to start with the cause of the inflammation. Let's not, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with the paleo diet. And now that's something for a whole nother podcast because I could talk for hours on the pros and cons of the paleo versus the vegan versus so forth. But basically what the paleo diet uh, does is it removes the triggers uh, for autoimmune disease. It still has high amounts of arachidonic acid. Uh, which is the pro-inflammatory fatty acid, which leads to greater cellular uh, release of inflammation. So one of my top uh, recommendations is to actually limit the amount of arachidonic acid in your diet. Um, now, when I was in uh, when I was in Sydney uh, working on a on a research project down uh, at the Endeavour down there, uh, we concluded that an anti-inflammatory diet uh, should not consume any more than ninety milligrams. Of arachidonic acid. Now, I'm not going to ask your listeners to go start measuring out 90 milligrams. <laughs> That's too much work. So yeah. I've done the work for you. Yeah. Um, it, it almost equates to no more than 150 grams of animal-based products a day, excluding fish and yogurt. Now, that's uh, what needs to be done for an anti-inflammatory diet. And if someone has an autoimmune disease or another inflammatory disease, cancers, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, then yes, reducing inflammation is a must. Mm. Um, And then on top of that is actually the aspects that trigger inflammation. Major one is gluten. Now, uh, not everyone needs to remove gluten from their diet. Uh, I mean, Cindy O'Meara, she's got her what's with wheat, you know, maybe if we can get an ancient grain, it could be different. But if someone has an autoimmune disease or if someone's mother has an autoimmune disease or, or someone's direct family member has an autoimmune disease, their risk of developing an autoimmune disease has just increased. And as a precaution, they should actually limit, if not totally eliminate, gluten from the diet because gluten, it's pro-inflammatory. It contributes to dysbiosis. It alters intestinal permeability and it results in immune dysregulation. And it's, it's not that good. So, yes, avoiding gluten is a must. Um, other more positive things that we can incorporate are fermented foods. Are fantastic for your pre and probiotics. Um, not the higher, not the highest amount that, you know, we require on like a therapeutic level, but it's better than nothing. So things like sauerkraut or kombucha, you know, taking a, a bottle of kombucha into work with you is a fantastic way to maybe skip that third coffee in the afternoon. Mm. Um, swap it for uh, kombucha. Um, other things would be, you know, increasing your vitamin D. Um, I mean, one one interesting uh, aspect is activated mushrooms. Have you ever heard of those, Audra? Yeah, yeah. You have. Mm. It's uh, it's one of my passions is is to tell uh, my clients to activate their mushrooms. Uh, so basically, you you lay your mushrooms out in the sun for about thirty minutes in you know that midday sun, 
and uh, one serving of mushrooms, which equates to about 100 grams or three uh, butter mushrooms, will supply your daily allowance of vitamin D, about 10 to 15 micrograms, which isn't a lot in the big picture, but every little bit counts when it comes to vitamin D. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's food is medicine. So, yeah. Food is medicine. Mm. Um, other food is medicine aspects is um, bitter foods. Um, another uh, passion of mine is um, uh, vagus nerve stimulation. Um, and eating uh, bitter foods can actually stimulate this vagus nerve, which thereby reduces the production of inflammatory markers. Yeah, that's yeah that that whole thing. That's another podcast on its own as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, fascinating. Just a quickly explain to our listeners in case they're not sure what the vagus nerve is and what it does. Well, the vagus nerve is the master nerve in the body. It basically runs down from the head uh, along uh, throughout the gastrointestinal system. Now, it's responsible for digestive health and so forth. And when it's not working uh, properly then uh, it will produce more inflammation markers. So if we can stimulate that by eating bitter foods, uh, singing out loud, deep breathing, mm -hmm. chanting off, then that there will reduce the actual release of inflammatory markers. Mm, amazing. So you've just given us full and complete authority to go and sing in the shower. <laughs> exactly. Is that right? <laughs> sing in the shower or sing in the car when you know, not many people are around. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just yeah, it's incredibly fascinating, isn't it? And it's um yeah, that's again, that's another little lifestyle um thing that we can sort of implement. It might sound weird for the first time for those you know listeners thinking, what on earth you know is this guy talking about? Um, yeah, you know, do go and do your own research as well um, on this. Don't sort of I guess you know if you're unsure what we're talking about um it's important that you do your own research as well but um yeah fascinating and i like how you mentioned about kombucha actually because i was at a talk um last weekend um with some midwives and i was actually giving them recommendations for night shift um as alternatives um you know to the yeah, drinking copious amounts of coffee i also said that that kombucha is a great um alternative as well so i'm glad that you just said that <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy kombucha. I get it from the uh, the local market each mm. week, and it's 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 a fantastic source of uh, probiotics. Mm. And you can get different flavors and everything too, um, as well, which you know makes it a bit more interesting. So yeah, well, look, uh, we're just um, about to wrap up the podcast shortly, um, Brad. But I'm going to change the topic slightly, and, and I think I know I think you know what's coming. Um, but I always <laughs> like to ask my guests what their favorite travel destination is and why. And I know you have just come back from spending. Four months, maybe more, I can't remember. Now I've lost count. Um, Travelling through South America where we have just seen the most incredible photos of your amazing, amazing, you know, holiday. Um, so I don't know how you can actually choose one, but I'd love, you know, I'd love for you to give a go of what your favourite, you know, at this point in time, at um, you know, what your favourite holiday destination is. Oh, that's, that's a difficult one, Audra. <laughs> um, but last time I counted, I've almost hit 60 countries uh, across six continents uh, in a period of two years. It's mind blowing. <laughs> so, um, oh, okay, I can I can give you my top five. How does that sound? Okay, yeah. Um, bearing in mind, I like the road less travelled. I, I like putting myself into those dangerous situations. So, uh, Mozambique in Africa was great. Jordan in the Middle East 
Turkey, uh, Mexico, and probably my favorite would be Guatemala. Uh, Guatemala was just, you know, the people, the places, the things I did, the volcanoes, the lakes, everything. It was, it was a must for any traveler to get to Guatemala. Yeah, wow. Well, there's a few there I need to add to my list <laughs> by the sounds of it, although I'm not sure if I'll go um, skiing down a volcano. <laughs> oh, yes, uh, um, sandboarding down an active volcano. Yeah, yeah that was in uh, Nicaragua. Oh, okay. Yeah, wow. <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that, that this sounds awesome. But, yeah, thank you for that. Look, this has been brilliant um, chatting with you, Brad. Uh, so where can um, people find you to learn more about your practice, um, you know, and some of the services that you offer? Sure. Uh, well, the best option is to head over to my website, uh, which is um, bradleach.com. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-E-C-H.com, um, where you can find the link to the uh, the diagram on uh, the correlation between uh, yeah. shift working and Hashimoto's. I've got a link for Vegas nerve stimulation to a, another podcast that they may want to um, listen to and, and other information about autoimmune disease and the services I offer in regards to consultations. Excellent. Fabulous. Well, I'll make sure um, I include all of that uh, in the show notes along with that uh, vitamin D app that you were mentioning as well. Look, thanks so much for joining me today, Brad. It's really, um, it's been incredibly interesting chatting with you um, and I'm sure our listeners um, have certainly enjoyed it too. No, well, thank you, Audra. You know, I take my hat off to you for everything that you're doing for the shift working community and I know that you've worked and you are working so hard just to better the health of the shift workers. So if anyone needs things, it's thank you, Audra. <laughs> that's very sweet. Well, that's it uh, for another edition of the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. I'd love to hear your feedback, and there are many ways you can do this via my Facebook page, The Healthy Shift Worker, through my website, healthyshiftworker.com, or you can visit The Wellness Couch at thewellnesscouch.com and leave a comment there. If you enjoyed the show, please feel free to share it with other shift workers who you think may benefit or if you're listening via your computer right now, you can leave us a five-star rating on iTunes, which will help me to spread the healthy shift worker message to shift workers and organisations all around the world. If you'd like access to more free resources, including my newsletter, just visit my website, healthyshiftworker.com, and enter your name and email address. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. Until next time, may you continue to be as healthy as you possibly can be, despite working 24-7. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.